last week on The Slut Show. How old were you when you started masturbating? Boob growth. Tell me everything about your I'm still growth. waiting. And I took a picture of it. <laughs> Vaginal discharge. My dad has thought I pissed myself once. Should we put toilet paper in it? Because like, I have no boobies. I have no boobies. Okay, let's have a conversation on how to make Ellen come because this isn't it. She fucked 50 men and now she has a loose vagina, but she has sex with her boyfriend 50 times and that thing is supposed to be... Embarrassment is so real in puberty. If they are distracted by my boobs, they, they are the are problem. Not me. I could have done so much more if I would have not given a shit. Does size matter? Wash your genitals! Masturbation with objects not meant for masturbation. Hit it. Don't worry about getting laid. Don't worry about getting a partner. Just, you will eventually. And it was all brown because of dried blood. But I deadass thought, holy shit, I just shit myself. Same. So I put a condom around it, used it, and um, <laughs> I put it back. <laughs> Stop trying to fit in. You fucking don't, okay? <laughs> this week on The Slut Show. I would write about Beyonce's new outfit, but I would also write about my therapy session. Right. I've noticed that there's a very, very clear double standard in when black people use drugs and when white people use drugs. There's still so little room for black women. See, this is why I don't understand the taboo that's there around sex, because everyone is a result of sex. If the entire editorial team is white, you're gonna have a blind spot for diversity in your uh, media company. So then how are you gonna create a, a diverse program when there's no diversity in your team? Don't come near my booty <laughs> no! with your dick! Ah! Sex would be like the most important thing because the love wasn't really, really there. Why don't they pick abusers? Right. Why are they confident and I'm not? With everything I ask myself, do you really want this? I was raised to just not talk about sex. They're like spitting all over each other. <laughs> and then when when I've had my orgasm, I'm like, ew. Ew. <laughs> hey, you. Thank you so much for listening. No matter when you are listening, no matter where you are, get comfortable. Get yourself a cup of tea, a glass, or an entire bottle of wine. Maybe smoke a blunt, get under a blanket, grab yourself some popcorn, and enjoy this week's episode of The Slut Show with Ellen Moore. Ladies, gentlemen, non-binary beings, and any and everyone in between, my name is Ellen Moore, and welcome to a brand new episode of The Slut Show. In the studio with me today is a fellow journalist. She is the creative powerhouse behind That's What She Said and Elle. She is a self-made successful, I'm talking about the one and only, Soraya. How are you? Hi, I'm great. Thank you. Thank you so much for this introduction. I'm so excited to talk to you about so many different things. We're going to be discussing racism in the media industry, sexualization as a black woman, sex, drugs, representation, mental health, abuse, and way more. Um, but before we're going to dive into all the goods. The Slut Show with Ellen Moore. The podcast slash talk show about shit you and I have to deal with on a daily basis about feminism, insecurities, feeling like a bomb-ass bitch, and obviously about loads of sex. Enjoy your weekly dose of empowerment. Your weekly dose of empowerment. What's the most empowering thing you did lately? Well, this is a hard question, but lately I've been so focused on my own happiness. Good. That I've been really strict in like eliminating things that don't make me happy or that give me stress or just bad energy good and i'm i feel really empowered congrats for choosing that. you that's so important thank you very proud of you for doing that thank you that's awesome 
I, I'm so excited to, to dive into everything. I want to hear everything about you. And I'm sure at home they want to because this woman, mm, so happy to have you on the show. Um, before we get started, we're going to, you know, no slut show without slutty science. So let's dive right into it. I got some slutty science for you because we like to stick to facts. Slutty science with in this week's Slutty Science, we are taking a closer look at the ways in which racism is ingrained in many different areas of the contemporary society we find ourselves in today. Let us begin by taking a closer look at stereotyping. Stereotypes are rigid forms of categorizing and prescribing certain character traits to people, cultures, sexualities, and so forth and so on. Stereotypes generally enlarge barriers between those stereotyping and those being stereotyped creating a sense of us against them, which oftentimes aggravates inequality by contributing to the prevailing hegemonic power dynamics and structures. Stereotyping demonizes them, the stereotypes, while simultaneously generating a sense of superiority to us, the ones doing the stereotyping. However rigid, stereotypes are not immutable. Stereotypes only begin to occur with the commencement of modern urban societies. There is a very fine line between stereotyping and using fluid, interchangeable predispositions to better understand and navigate the increasingly complex world we find ourselves in. In the media, in particular in film and television, the use of juxtapositioning and mise-en-scene descends from oppressive patterns contributing to the conservation of social control and both the aftermath and re-implementation of values based on the apartheid rather than randomness. Therefore, it is important to become aware of your own internalized racism. This is not so much an individual problem. It is rather a tremendous and systemic issue resulting in double standards, non-originary casting, stereotypical thinking, and the simplification of intricate cultural phenomena by discarding them as animalous. Historically speaking, trans women of color have the most social disadvantage to fight. For starters, they are trans and therefore are obliged to rebel against the cis and heteronormativity we are drowned in. Secondly, they are women of color and so they are forced to handle not just the patriarchal ways the society was built, but on top of that they are also forced to deal with the racism still sensible in many different forms every single day. Saying these women matter does not mean you don't matter. Saying these women deserve equal rights, payment, and treatment does not take away any of your rights, payments, or treatment. This is not about you. Equality is in pie. You don't get less because they get more. We all get more. And if that frightens you, maybe it's time you confront yourself and the ways in which hetero and cisnormativity, racism, and the patriarchy benefit you. Well, isn't that something? That was amazing. <laughs> I feel like it's so important to like sh shed a light on on this very serious um cause in society uh you are a journalist can you tell us a little bit more about what it is exactly that you do i like to refer to myself as a writer because i write more than like journalist type pieces if right. you know what i mean yeah i've been very very activist in in what the things i write i write about racism a lot i write about sexism it's fuck the patriarchy every mm -hmm. single day. Good. Um, but I have to say this past year, I've been more focused on not uh, writing about racism, not writing about the struggles of being a black woman, mm -hmm. because 
it's exhausting i can't even imagine it's so exhausting to keep to have to use your talent um to discuss things that don't really make you happy and right. or that don't really make you excited things that really drain your energy yeah and um well you just explained it very well in media um there's still so little room for black women. We talked about this in our pre-conversation and yeah. obviously this slutty science is very focused on what happens in front of the camera and the things that we as a society get to see. Mm-hmm. But behind the scenes, um, that is f- far worse, uh, so yeah. I've been told. Can you tell us a little bit more about your own experience with that? Yeah, well, um, you really have to fight for diversity. In, the, in Dutch media especially, you have to fight for diversity. You have to fight um, to get not only uh, a black model but to get a dark skin model but to get a, a model a black model that isn't skinny um to get a black trans woman it's almost impossible and we see it with like magazine covers magazines promote themselves as though since black lives matter um they're investing more in diversity but the covers still look the same exactly and i think that comes from the editorial teams being the same if the entire editorial team is white you're gonna have a blind spot for diversity in your uh, media company. And I think it's safe to say that still 89% of Dutch media is completely white behind the scenes. So then how are you gonna create a, a diverse program when there's no diversity in your team? Exactly. I feel like that's why it is so important that you do what you do. Thank you. you really uh, take up room. How did you learn to take up more room as a uh, woman? But more specifically as a black woman? Well, I've been very lucky. Um, When I decided to start an internship in media, I had the fortune of ending up at a company that's very diverse. Um, It's called Axt and Now. They didn't have a lot of uh, women, but they were all from different cultural backgrounds. Um, So they created a very, very safe space. And that really gave me a lot of confidence to... um, create and not have to worry about being the black woman in the room. Um, That gave me so much confidence that when I left there, I just owned it. I I was just like, there's nothing else that I want to do. There's nothing else that I'm going to do. And I didn't really care if anyone wanted to hold the door open for me Mm -hmm. or gave me a seat at the table. I was just like, no, I will just start my own blog then and I will fight my way through it. But the moment I started doing that, media actually came to me like, hey, you want to write for this or you want to make this program with us? That is fantastic. Yeah, it really is. I know that you've had your uh, past with mental health struggles mm-hmm. and that journalism and writing in particular is something that really changed your life mm-hmm. for the better, I think. Um, yeah. What was that like? How did you go from struggling like that to what, what changed? First of all, therapy. <laughs> right. I am such a mental health advocate. I feel like everyone could use a therapist in their lives. At least for once. For real, at least for once. Hey you, we have a new trigger warning system. If you hear this sound, a potential trigger will follow. The first one will follow right after this interruption. If you want to see what triggers we are warning you for, check out the podcast description or check out the right top corner of the YouTube video to see the blinking warning lights with the potential trigger. Enjoy the rest of the episode. I have a, a past with physical abuse, emotional abuse, and sexual abuse, but I didn't. I never really understood what all of those things meant. I never really understood what was happening to me. I didn't really understand trauma. So I got depressed, and when I got depressed, I felt so bad that I was just like, I'm very, very hopeless. Like I need someone to help me. So I went to therapy. Right. 
And in therapy, I started figuring some things out about myself, why I felt attracted to abusers, but um, also why I hadn't processed certain traumas yet. Things that I thought um, didn't affect me as much, but turned out to be like a huge effect on my life. And I've always been a writer, so it really made sense to me to write about it. And I started by writing about my therapy session. So every week I would publish a blog writing about my therapy sessions. And I got so many um, nice messages from people that finally felt the space to talk about these things, you know, because I feel like I made it very normal. Like I would write about Beyonce's new outfit, but I would also write about my therapy session. Because those are things that both matter in the lives of young people, the lives of young women doing that it gave me like obviously I had the therapy to process and I had the writing to kind of free myself right to give it a space exactly yeah um so it really took me like a year a year and a half I think and then I was a completely different person right yeah what's the biggest difference you'd say definitely how selfish I am now right I just just go around pleasing everyone always putting myself second um and i don't really do that anymore because i'm very ambitious Mm -hmm. and i know that if i keep pleasing everyone in life i'm never going to do the things that i want to do absolutely yeah couldn't couldn't relate to that more i feel like people who have a past correct me if i'm wrong for you obviously people who have a past with abuse no matter what kind it was Mm -hmm. tend to please people constantly and that's a repeating cycle that you can get out unless you truly face yourself, look in the mirror and put in the hours and do the actual work. Yeah, for real. What made you want to put in those hours? Because that's something that many people, including myself, have been like, I don't want to because, you know, Mm -hmm. for whatever reason. Um, Well, I had two reasons. First of all, I've seen depression in my family, in, in relationships, and I've seen how bad it can get. And I was just really, really afraid of it getting uh, that bad with me. And also, I'm very curious to understand what's going on inside of me. So I would look at other girls, right? Like, why don't they pick abusers? Right. Why are they confident and I'm not? So Mm -hmm. what is it inside of me um, that makes me behave this way, you Mm -hmm. know? And that curiosity really is what saved me in the end. Because when you start to figure out the things of why you are the way you are, then you have the power to actually change something. I think that's very strong of you to already have that. Because it's super self-reflective to realize that shit, the, the people you picked, picked to date, is that says something about you, not, not those people. And yeah. of course, those people should not behave the ways they do. But you picking them that's exactly. where it comes from you and that's that's very triggering to hear for a lot of people yeah but i've seen abuse in my own family and so <clears throat> i knew there was some kind of link right i just knew that there was something you know um but i know that a lot of people find it very very hard yeah it is absolutely it is it, and i'm not gonna lie it was the hardest thing that i have ever had to do in my life it was the hardest yeah. year of my life I, I relate to that 100%. Yeah. I feel like um, everyone knows deep down that the reason that you are dating the people that you used to be surrounded by growing up, um, that is that is related. Like, we yeah. are all not stupid, but wanting to listen to that voice telling you the truth, that's a whole nother. Yeah. And a whole, a whole, a whole nother biscuit, like we say in Dutch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, 
you uh, you do many different things. You break taboos around mental health. You break taboos around sexism and racism. And another thing that you speak about very openly is drug use and the way that um, people of color are portrayed to be this and this and that. Yeah. What is your personal experience with that? Well, I, like I said, I'm a very curious person. I have a tattoo of a question mark in my neck. Oh, I love that. Because I just want to experience everything in life. So I've always been curious to, to like try different drugs and just see what it does to me. And I'd be like, oh, I like this. I don't like this, mm -hmm. you know, and kind of figure out my own preferences. But I've noticed that there's a very, very clear double standard in when black people use drugs and when white people use drugs. For example, it's very, very normal for everyone at work, I feel like, in, in, in a lot of workspaces, um, to use coke, for example. Like, it's very, very normal for white people to use mm -hmm. coke, but say a black person lights a joint mm -hmm. at the same, like, party, it's weird, you know? Yeah. Also, I feel like when, when a white person smokes weed, it's fun. Um, You can be like Seth Rogen and right. make a podcast about it and, you know, it's fun. But when you're a black woman who smokes weed, like Shakari Richardson, for example, um, you get completely trashed, you know? There's this stereotype yeah. that you're just this black, lazy person mm -hmm. who just smokes all day. And I recently found out that that uh, literally comes from, like, there. I don't remember his name, but there was a guy in, uh, in the U.S. who literally made like a whole propaganda campaign based off on um stereotyping black smokers as lazy as stupid wow as, yeah and i mean it shows if you look in the in the states how many more people are incarcerated how many more black people are incarcerated for weed while it's legal even in most most states nobody should be in jail for weed Let, can we like Come on. For fuck's sakes. It's 2021. It's also. herbs, honey. And they're good. Right? They're good herbs. I feel like a lot of people would do better in life if they would just, like, smoke. Smoke a joint every once in a while. <laughs> oh, it's so fun. I, I, a couple weeks ago, there was a friend of mine here, and for the first time, we got high together. Oh, and uh, she was like, uh, oh, shit, if I would have had this while I had my burnout, I would not have been burned out. This, really? That is literally, that says it all. Yeah, but there's such a stigma on it that it wasn't until this year that I actually felt comfortable in sharing that I smoke weed. Wow. Because I was so afraid that people wouldn't give me jobs if they knew I smoked. It was only until I saw the conversation opening up a little bit on social media mm -hmm. that I felt like, okay, I'm going to speak out about this now because I love weed it's like don't we all it's a big part of my life you yeah. know and if i go online and i say i love wine if i'm drinking a glass of wine on my instagram story no one's going to think it's weird so there you go exactly this oh that's so interesting because i always share like oh yay tgif i'm drinking wine but then yeah. when i'm smoking pot i never do because then exactly and if that's like like that for me a super 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 white white chick then of course that Can is you imagine yeah. but i also think um that people look at it a different way when you're a woman doing absolutely it. that and that men get away with it much easier honey men get away with everything every single thing <laughs> nauseating <laughs> can't even get high in peace <laughs> leave me alone leave Soraya alone <laughs> but for real though how were you raised in regards to sexuality and feminism so sexuality was always a huge taboo I'm Algerian and <clears throat> I was raised um, 
to just not talk about sex ever um you're on the wrong show honey <laughs> i am my dad is going to die if he's <laughs> but um no we i was never allowed to like talk about sex or watch anything sexual or if i would uh look at people who were kissing on the street my dad would be like no don't watch that you know um if men came over if his friends came over i had to cover up um things like that and i was very very curious child already so i was very curious about men i'm i'm straight woman about men um and there just was never really this space for that. Right. So I just sneaked out of the house and did a bunch of shit sneakily, which got me in so much trouble. It got me in such wrong situations with such wrong guys and so unsafe because if something happened, you don't feel comfortable in telling your parents that exactly. something happened. So growing up, that was really, really hard for me. It wasn't until I was about, I think, 17, 18 that my parents got divorced and then I could have like conversations with my mother about my sexuality and I could tell her that um, I was sexually abused, things like that. And ever since it has gotten better because I'm kind of like, I have a very rebel uh, personality. So in everything, if I want to do it, I'm going to do it. I don't really care about anyone or anything else. And um, my mom has kind of accepted that and lovely yeah and now i'm at the age that i can actually have conversations with her like just the other day we had a conversation and i told her i didn't feel comfortable in telling you when i lost my virginity because it was such a taboo but i really wanted to tell you about it you know right and now we can talk about it and now she can look back at it and see like oh yeah i could have handled things differently but she was raised the same way so you just pass it on you pass it on until someone breaks the cycle those are the generational cycles that constantly reoccur exactly and i feel like our generation we're like the generation of breaking cycles truly (laughs) that is like i'm goosebumps that's it yeah i feel like this generation is finally speaking up going to therapy doing the work yeah taking the climate crisis seriously (laughs) For fuck's sakes <laughs> talking about the things that if they were talked about during our childhood things would exactly. have gone so differently exactly so i make it a mission to talk about sex like i talk about sex at the dinner table my family looks at me like why, why do you need to do this but i just want to show everyone like because this is it's normal, normal. <laughs> it's so normal you know i have sex come on right so why right. can't we talk about it yeah it's fun hello sex is fun right right normalizing these these things is so incredibly important and that's why writing speaking uh shouting about these things because i get this this said to me all the time why do you not ever shut up about sex yeah because it's a taboo and if i don't shout it's not going to stand out people are going to be um this is ellen again talking about sex honey it's in your face deal deal with it and start thinking about why you have an issue with these things exactly why do you feel so uncomfortable talking about something that everybody does exactly see this is why i don't understand the taboo that's there around sex because everyone is a result of sex. You wouldn't be here if it weren't for sex. Instagram wouldn't exist if it weren't for sex. YouTube wouldn't exist if it... Sex is the base of everything. It is reproduction. It is. It really is. And Um, it sells. Honey, sex sells. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to be taking a real quick break, but we will be back in a second. Um, But first, can I get some backing vocals? Slut Show Sex Position Twister, your weekly dose of bedroom inspiration. Mm. 
lazy leg day especially good for practicing communication and learning to articulate what you do and do not like? Sit as it, a very advanced position. If you uh, want to get sore as hell, try this one. The Bon Appetit, good for implementing more coochie kisses in the bedroom. Bedroom inspiration, what is your favorite sex position? Ooh, see, this is a hard one. I actually mm-hmm. have something very interesting to tell you about this. I am here for it. Because I used to think uh, that doggy style was my favorite position. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't like missionary at all. Okay. But I've recently found out that that's because I didn't really like the men I was having sex with. So I didn't really want to see them. I didn't oh, really want to have yeah. them like hanging over me. And now I'm in such a loving relationship. And I feel like missionary is my favorite position right now. I just love the... You can look someone in the eye, make out, have that connection. Yeah, really. Wow, that is so interesting. I think this is super relatable. I I was blessed to have all all my first sexual experiences with someone who... uh, We loved each other deeply, and Mm -hmm. I'm super grateful for that. Mm -hmm. And so when... Like, I'm not going to obviously name people, but Mm -hmm. after that, I've I've had my wild ears. I've been having fun, you Mm -hmm. know? And so I also relate to this so much. I love missionary when it's someone that I really connect with. Exactly. But otherwise I'm like, oh, you're so close. Let me just turn around. Yeah. <laughs> like this close to my face. I'm like, oh. Yeah. And then you see all my weird faces. <laughs> yeah. It, it just, like you're more self-conscious if you don't actually like yeah, someone. Yeah, exactly. What is something that you learned about your sexuality over these last couple of years in adulting? Well, what I've learned is that I'm not as freaky as I thought I was. Right, you wrote such a good article about this. Please enlighten us. <laughs> I wrote about it. So I was writing for uh, Cosmopolitan. I was translating some articles and it was about sex toys. And I was just in absolute shock with the diversity <laughs> in all the sex toys. I'd never seen them in my life. So I was so excited to tell my friends and my brothers about it. And mm-hmm. They were all like, girl, we know. We've been using these things. What are you talking about, you know? What were those things? I'm super curious. Oh, my God. There's one um, that I think it's like an egg that you put in your vagina. And then there's an app. There's a remote control. Yeah. I like drink. You can put it in and then be like, here's the remote. Yeah. Drink dinner. (laughs) I could not believe it that that actually existed. And my brother was like, I have one. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) I was just so in shock. And I started questioning myself because I knew that when I... um when I was single and when I was in other relationships, that sex would be like the most important thing because the love wasn't really, really there. Right. And so I would always try to overachieve in sex and I would always like... um, exceed my own limits, you know, do things that I didn't really want to do, but I felt like I needed to do them. And when I got into this relationship, everything was just fine. So I didn't really do anything anymore. I didn't really <laughs> shave. <laughs> you know, for you. I didn't do anything anymore. I was just like so comfortable with myself. But then when I was talking to my friends about all like the weird shit they were doing in the, in the bedroom, I thought, oh, wait, I kind of took the fun out of it, too, because right. everything is safe now, which is it's amazing. Mm-hmm. But um, I used to love sex. I used to love to try new things, you know, and right. I used to love to get all sexy for my man and mm-hmm. stuff. So 
I kind of started working on that again. But then I also realized like there are certain things that I thought that I like to do, but I, I just don't. And I don't think I ever will. What what kinds of things are that? Anal. Oh, honey, we're on the same team. <laughs> we are on the same team. <laughs> don't come near my booty no. with your dick. Ah. <laughs> No, feels like I, my dump is stuck. I cannot, and I feel like it's so obviously it's normal. But like a lot of my friends are like totally fine with it. Yeah, but I had to come to agreement for myself. Like you don't have to do everything. Yeah, like that's fine. Honey, if the pussy good, why you need anal? <laughs> right? Yeah. Like no, thank you. I don't like pain. Knowing your limit is also like sometimes bdsm can be fun and then you're like okay this is nice that it hurts a little yeah but if you're in tremendous pain honey stop doing it yeah. it's it's not serving you it's <laughs> it's not like that is what i had with blowjobs i felt mm -hmm. so like i needed to do that mm -hmm. in order to be a good sexual partner mm -hmm. and i feel like a lot of uh of my female friends also have that mm -hmm. and and like realize that shit I don't actually like it. And then yeah. when you actually like someone and when the sex is really good, like for me, I go through phases of like horniness. Mm -hmm. Everyone does, right? Mm -hmm. And so when I'm like here, it's, you know, not interested. And then the the yeah. higher we go, the more interested I am. Because exactly. you just go more vulgar or something. Yeah. For me in the bedroom, sometimes afterwards, I'm like, did I really do that? <laughs> <laughs> What, what are memories of you, th of that situation? So you mean when you're like so horny that you're just like... Saying things that you're afterwards like, ew, gross, yeah, why did I say that? Like, yeah. Something like that. Um, <laughs> I see there's something in your brain. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, um, I think dirty dog. Oh no, it's definitely porn. Like yes. when I'm very 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 horny and i watch porn and then <clears throat> they're like spitting all over each other <laughs> and then when when i've had my orgasm i'm like ew ew <laughs> really <laughs> oh my god so relatable yeah. but also when that happens like when a situation like sometimes you make porn in real life and afterwards you're like yeah in the moment yes now <laughs> what did i just do yeah yeah i've texted my 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 partner once like shit got kind of dirty uh yesterday <laughs> 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 i don't know if we should say these things next time we have sex you okay. know it feels like you feel like sobered up as soon as your horniness exactly. is gone you're like shit was i drunk yeah. or something yeah exactly drop dead sober <laughs> exactly but that's good also right because it means Absolutely. that you're really free yeah exactly i think that um speaking about freedom because uh sex can be very liberating mm -hmm. as well as the use of drugs and the combination of the two mm -hmm. we don't promote drug use youtube don't de demonetize me <laughs> that being said i feel like there is certain drugs that if you have sex on them your whole sex life afterwards is going to change because your experience can be so eye-opening and liberating yeah do you have experience with uh um, sex on drugs yeah <laughs> do i have experience with sober sex would be a better question <laughs> no Mood. i've had sex on drugs for most of my life actually um i i liked to use uh mdma and ecstasy which are really like sex oh, drugs yes yeah. <laughs> 
Oh yeah. <laughs> they're really like and if you take that that like you're in complete sexual freedom, right? Yeah. So that has really helped me because I'm kind of shy. So that has really helped me to express my sexuality in the way I want to and I don't use drugs to, today anymore like I smoke weed, but I don't really use drugs anymore. Um but I still feel that way. Like it has opened, as you said, a portal. Right. And that has just changed my sexuality forever. Yeah, absolutely. Same. I remember that the first time I was on MDMA, I was with a group of people who all had used before. I was like, no, I've used this before. (laughs) I used way too much and I was rolling like a motherfucker. It was insane. And then so I took home um, a colleague. I'll be open about it. I took home a colleague and um, well, he took me home technically. Uh And so we had sex all over the apartment. And that was something that I never did. And I was like, fuck me in this position. Fuck me in that position. And then afterwards, I was like, holy shit. Communication in the bedroom is wonderful. Whoa, communication in the bedroom? Life changer. So sexy. Asking for consent. So sexy. Definitely. It is. Definitely. Like you said, you open a portal, you open a door that never again closes. Exactly. Because you've experienced it and you don't want to go back to not communicating. Exactly. And another thing that uh, sex on drugs has brought me is... I, I've been a bit bi-curious, mm-hmm. so I would think women were like sexually attractive, like I never felt emotions for women, but I right. would think women are, were sexually attractive, and uh, but I never, ever, ever dared to like do something with a woman. Right. And then when we were all on drugs, it was like, well, yeah, let's just, you know? Right. So I tried it a couple of times, and then I knew after that, like, no, it's not for me you know but you tried but i tried yeah. exactly and i don't think i would have tried if i didn't use super drugs. relatable yeah. yeah totally i think that it's honestly people normalize alcohol so much but i think that it literally is one of the worst drugs out there if it not is. the worst it is it is because when you're like using like mdma or something where you're smoking and you're having sex like you're aware of what's happening but when you're drunk yeah. most of the time you're making a decision based out of your drunkenness yeah and you're, you will come to regret it. When we speak about using drugs, like you said, there's a huge stereotype and double standards when it comes to people of color versus white people and mm-hmm. the use and how it's normalized. Mm-hmm. I know that you wrote a story about, um, we discussed this, I think, um, about taking, getting some weed somewhere in Eastern Europe. Mm, and going to jail. Yeah. Yeah. And going to jail, she said it, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Please tell us a little bit more about that. I'll link yeah. the story in the description as well. But so I was in uh, I was in Bulgaria with a friend of mine, and um, we were at this student party or something. And this guy was just like, "Hey, you're from Amsterdam. Oh, you want to smoke?" It's <laughs> just yeah. how it goes. Right. And we were like, "Yes, hell yes, we want to smoke." So uh, we bought some weed from him, and um, we were hanging out with this other guy. He was a DJ, and he was black. This is important for the story. Mm-hmm. Um, we got pulled over and we only had like literally 0.2 grams. It was not even enough for one joint. This much, yeah. It was nothing. And um, they searched the whole car based on the fact that he had a Nigerian passport. And they said um, he needed to have a Bulgarian passport, which legally he was fine. Mm-hmm. But they just, it was like a power play, you know. Mm-hmm. And... 
we were three black people in the car and we were extremely aware of the fact that we were three black people mm-hmm. in the car and all these officers were white mm-hmm. um so we didn't resist anything i know that we're women so yeah i felt a little more safe in that uh-huh. but i was scared to death that they would just um completely brutalize this man that we were with right um so i was very compliant with everything they asked and they kept us on the side of the road for like hours they didn't explain anything to us they didn't really uh try to speak english they were just yelling in bulgarian even though they knew that we couldn't possibly understand what they were saying and then they told me well um this is very illegal here so you're gonna have to come uh to jail with us and it was i gotta say looking back on it i think it's funny (laughs) But insane not, though not the racist the racist part wasn't funny because I really felt like we were um, like I really felt like it was because we were black I felt like if we were white they would have gone, letting us gotten away with it right. because also if you saw how comfortable the white people at the party were with the weed you wouldn't have never yeah. thought that it was such a big deal but looking back on it it was really funny because I was there in that jail I was with uh, sex workers I think and they were all like girl you don't have to worry. You'll be fine. You know, we've been here a bunch of times. Oh, God. And um, they were like, a bunch of times. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. They, they were like giving me food and, and really? water. They were like really, really sweet girls in my wow. cell. So that really helped me. And then, yeah, the, the next day, someone from the Dutch embassy came to pick me up. And um, someone from the Dutch embassy the, came to pick you up. Yeah yeah someone from wow and i was i literally cried tears when this woman spoke dutch to me oh my god i can't imagine (laughs) i was like oh my god yes please come save me because it was so hard to communicate that was the most frustrating part yeah that they didn't really put in any effort to understand me my body got searched by Mm -hmm. a female officer and she felt that i have a nipple piercing Mm -hmm. and she didn't say anything about it but then she told one of the male officers that I had a nipple piercing and he came to me and he was like, you have to take out your nipple piercing. What? And I was like, first of all, why didn't she tell me that? You know, that would have made me feel much more safe than this man pulling up on me, telling me to take out what my the piercing. Fuck? And I was like, I'm not going to do that. Why would I do that? And he said, well, you can hurt yourself with it. I said, how am I going to, what am I going to do? Like swallow it? It's not going to kill me. Yeah. It's literally this big. Oh my God. And then he was like, okay, well then you don't have to take it out, but just be careful. Honey, you be careful or I'll whoop your ass. What the fuck? (laughs) Yeah, they were so rude. They really treated me like, like I just killed someone. I was like, one of you, I know one of you smokes weed. Right. Chances are. And and it's been proven that legalizing, uh, uh, well, sex work, but mm-hmm. also legalizing uh, drugs mm-hmm. lowers the chances of people yeah. dying of it because it's shit. If, like, here you can yeah. get your drugs tested. Exactly. So you know if it's gunk or if it's good. Exactly. And by doing that, you make it more easily accessible and therefore you can go to the police if you were on drugs and complain and and file a report for whatever without having to go to jail yourself exactly what do you feel like needs to change in this world that we live in right now in order to get on track in regards to legalizing those particular things i think in both cases it's a matter of control right The, the the government wants to control um especially women they want to control women. There are a lot of countries 
where sex workers can go to jail, but then the people who visit sex workers don't go to jail for visiting sex workers, which is like a crazy double standard. So if you were to ask me what we need to change, I have to say abolish the whole fucking law. Like, right. let people do whatever they want to do it as long as they're not hurting anyone else with it. You're not yeah. hurting anyone else when you're using drugs. Exactly. You're not hurting anyone else when you choose to use your body as a means of profession. That's exactly. your choice. And if we're not going to put models in jail who are using their bodies to make money, yeah. why are we going to put sex workers in jail, you know? Exactly. It's it's a choice you got to make about exactly. your body. Exactly. It's absolutely ridiculous. And if you really don't want people... Um, using drugs you should focus on prevention or you should focus on education or things like that you have to make more accessible but this is clearly not working out for anyone speaking about this openly i feel like as the first step um we have a dutch journalist who very actively is um lobbying for uh for like so we have a thing in, in the netherlands called een pill te veel maakt je geen criminal which translated would be one pill too many doesn't make you a criminal mm-hmm. how do you feel like um journalists can contribute to this yeah speak up because a lot of journalists use drugs a lot of them use drugs because media is hard as fuck people can't do that sober yeah you know a lot of people are on drugs so speak up about that you know speak up about your experiences and invest time also if you're not a drug user but in like see this as a societal issue Mm -hmm. because it really is a societal issue absolutely um and i think that a lot of people don't really see it that way that people think oh well yeah you know those kids they want to use drugs who cares about that but literally i've worked in a coffee shop and i've had politicians people that are in like um the house of parliament today yeah that came to me to buy their their weed you know and they i know they would never do that again today because of the stigma that is on it exactly but how do they get it then they go get it illegally they go get it illegally exactly you work at a coffee shop the coffee shop's legal but the guy who's bringing the weed He's actually, that's that's illegal. So he can be um, put in jail literally at any time right. that he's providing the weed, which is crazy because where is it supposed to come from then? Exactly. I think that's something a lot of people don't know about the Netherlands. They're yeah. all like, it's all legal there. Mm-hmm. No, honey. <laughs> Buying weed is illegal. Having a coffee shop is illegal. But the supplier exactly. is illegal. So you're constantly feeding into a criminal criminal system. Exactly. And what also happens is, it's um they don't allow people to home breed as much right mm-hmm. and so everyone is uh, you have to get your weed at the coffee shop but just like the food it gets tainted you know you we don't know what they put in the weeds yeah. just like we don't know what they put in the food so not only is this current system criminalizing people but it's i also feel like it's unhealthy it's it's unsafe absolutely and i feel mm. like that societal issue is also linked to abuse in every single kind because yeah. there is the same stigma and taboo that rests upon it and speaking about it is still s- controversial mm-hmm. shocking even mm. daring rebellious yeah we we talked a little bit about your past with uh, assaults and abuse um i come from from a family of domestic abuse so mm. i very much so relates to that yeah how because you said a little earlier in this conversation that sex ed and the way you were raised and talking about those things um would have made it easier for you mm-hmm. what is your personal experience um 
with with the abuse we had domestic violence growing up in my my like my home family but also like my aunts and stuff that like it was just always very prevalent i would see all women in my environment getting abused so by the time i started dating myself i had kind of internalized that it was normal for a man to hit a woman whenever they didn't agree because i just seen it so often um and it led me to choosing a man that hit women and um my self-worth was so low at that point that every time he would abuse me i would i would want to leave him obviously because it hurt but i would think to myself i'm never getting any better than this you know and um no one else is going to love me and yeah he hits me but he he still loves me and um you know i've seen this in my family a hundred times and um so it it actually already started when i was like maybe seven or eight mm. and um it didn't really stop until i was like 20 21 and um in the meantime, as I just said, I would I would exceed my own limits. So I would do a lot of things sexually with that partner too that I didn't really like to do. I owe it so so often that I was just crying during sex, and um, I just didn't feel like saying no was an option for me ever. That's also why I feel so empowered now in being selfish and choosing the things that I want because I Good. have literally never done that in my life good for you i'm very proud of you for learning to say no i think that's the Thank hardest you. thing there is especially it really is when when you come from that past and for those listening or watching hey <laughs> i feel like it's very important to especially coming from the both of us who have such experiences yeah. you have a choice you can leave yes. no matter how dangerous it is dangerous it is if you ever need to vent to someone send me an anonymous email for maybe real. Like, yeah, yeah exactly reach out to someone who you feel like you could potentially trust mm -hmm. and do it because it'll, it will be the best decision you're ever going to make yeah. and you will not regret it for a single second because yes there is better and yes you deserve exactly. better and i'm very happy that you found someone right now that you're with who thank you respects you in, in, in everything and um thank you i think therapy was a big part of that also of course because if i i don't think i would have um met my current partner if i hadn't processed my traumas of course i think i would have just picked the same partner over and over again and um when i left therapy when when like my my treatment was done mm -hmm. i just had just met my current partner and my therapist um she also told me that she was so proud of how i was handling this relationship in regards to my previous relationships right so I, I feel very blessed about that every single day still. Everyone always is constantly on repeat saying that uh, if you don't love yourself, you cannot have a loving relationship. Mm -hmm. And I always found it so annoying. Mm -hmm. I was like, yes, I know, shut up. Mm -hmm. I know, I will get there. Mm -hmm. um, but now that I'm here, I'm like, okay, that's true. Yeah, it really people is. don't really like explain what it means also, right? Yeah. People are just like, oh, you, you have to love yourself. Um, but no one really, really explains. And when you're going through that, when you're going through the abuse, um, a lot of the people around you are just going to be like, yo, leave him. Why aren't you just leaving him? Like, why are you staying in this it situation? It isn't that easy. No, because like we just said, there's something inside of you that you have to unlock first. You have yeah. to figure that out 
before you can even begin loving yourself. What does loving yourself mean for you? So I was just thinking about this a few days ago. Um, but for me, re- it really means creating a life that I want to live. And um, that is as big as um, working really hard to make it in media. But it's also as small as not wanting to hang out with this friend today. And being focal about that. Yeah. Telling my friend, I'm not in a mood to hang out with you today. Um, telling my man, I don't want you to spend the night today. I would like you to go home so I can stay by myself. Because mm-hmm. I need this energy right now. And also really being aware of what is it that I want. And I have to really consciously do this because it doesn't come naturally to me. So with everything, I ask myself, do you really want this? Or are you going to say no because... Or are you going to say yes because you feel guilty or obliged in some way? So that's really how I practice self-love. That is eye-opening. Constantly checking with yourself. Asking yourself, I'm doing this. Why am I doing this? Am I doing this for the right reasons? Am I doing it for the wrong reasons? If so, why am I doing it? How can I break that circle and, and generational circle as well? Yeah, and I always tell my friends like... For example, you know, we've all been in a situation where you're 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 dating with this guy and you know that he isn't really it, but you can't get out of the situation yet. And I always tell my friends, like, you don't really you don't have to pressure yourself to leave him today and be the most emotionally independent bad bitch there is. Mm-hmm. But you need to understand why you're choosing to stay with him. That's yeah. what you need to understand. And if you know that, it doesn't really matter what you do, you're gonna be fine in the end if you know why you do things. Yeah learn to understand yourself and your life will be so much easier for real (laughs) it is true absolutely if you could have a conversation with your 12 year old self right now Mm -hmm. what would you tell her please focus on writing just please focus more on writing than on boys that's what i would tell her she was too focused on boys i'm gonna be honest with you honey they're not that interesting (laughs) no they really ain't they're not gonna bring you that much not as much as you think Um, but I would also tell her that she is amazing as she is because she also really felt like she wasn't enough for anyone but she was Thank you so much for having this super open and genuine conversation with me. Thank you for having me. I loved it. Thank you so much. If you want to read the information from Slutty Science again, head over to my website, theslutshow.org. Yes, from orgasm, theslutshow.org, where you are also now able to get my uh, five-piece postcard collection dedicated to destroying the patriarchy and empowering you. If you would like to support the Slut Show in another way, you can do so by heading over to my Patreon page and buy me a coffee, which is only one euro per episode nothing and it will help both me and the team behind the camera tremendously please follow the both of us on instagram i will link everything below check out the new platform that this powerhouse launched because by the time this is out it will also be out (laughs) if you want to send in questions for our meal segment which i completely forgot on this episode then you can send them to the slut show with alan moore on instagram don't forget to give the video a thumbs up subscribe to my youtube channel uh, share the slut show with your friends very important because if you share we get more views and we love that we love building a community exactly Uh, again thank you so much for being here thank you at home for watching and for now Sluts Sluts out. out. (laughs) Love that.